Welcome to Fireside Chats with Reverend Iron Kim, hosted by me, Abby, and produced by Grace Presbyterian Church of Silicon Valley. Hey, Iron. How's it going, boss? It's going great. How are you, Abby? I'm doing well. I got your card in the mail. Everybody, Iron (laughs) sent me a card to remind me of what time our recording session is. A little bit of helicopter bossing, Iron, I gotta say. Well, I'm sorry, but you know, last time you kind of forgot what time we were supposed to record, and it's my gentle way of reminding you. A gentle reminder, yes. It's out of love. That is exactly what I experienced. I open my mailbox, I get a beautiful Hallmark card. I think, oh, another secret admirer for me. I open it. It says, Abby, we're recording at 1045. Don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) But he's right. I have been late the last like three weeks we've done this. I'm not really a very on-time person. But I thought the card was a good tie-in because this week, Iron, we're talking about busyness and rest. Aren't you excited? Oh, Abby, this is one of the hard ones because I didn't really want to do this, but you wanted to talk about busyness. I am terrible at rest. And I'm very good at busyness, so maybe this is right up my alley, but this may also be embarrassing as your pastor. Uh, Yes, we're pretending that this podcast is for our congregants. Actually, this is a five-stage intervention for Reverend Iron Kim. When you're sending people (laughs) cards, it has gone too far, Iron. (laughs) I won't do it again. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah, that and your 6 a.m. emails, I can't. Don't worry, you guys, I'm very well treated at Grace, I'm very happy to work here. So busyness and rest, you didn't totally understand why I wanted to do this topic, but I feel like it's so relevant for shelter in place. The irony is that we're not busy right now, and it's the perfect time to see how much we idolize that busyness in our lives before. Do you feel like that, Iron? Well, I think for me, I've had a very steady, regular amount of work. Not a whole lot has changed for me, but I think for a lot of people, you're right. This has changed a lot of dynamics in their families, busyness for the kids, events that aren't there anymore, and work has really changed. So it has ripped away some of the busyness and you're left wondering, what am I doing? Or you realize that you're creating that busyness for yourself, but now in increasingly less productive ways. I bought four different table lamps to see how they might all look next to our sofa. Ridiculous. I just needed something to do. (laughs) And I think that's true for a good number of people. I definitely think it's real. I think it's widespread. And then talking about rest, too. I mean, I've been shocked. I'm at home. I have nothing to do. It's been, what week are we on, Iron? I lost track. Let's say we're on week nine. I think something like that is right. And I still am not keeping Sabbath. I have no excuse now. For not resting. I don't really know why it's so hard to do, but I've realized the problem is squarely in my heart. It is definitely not on my calendar. So I don't know. I just wanted some pastoral Mm. insights on that. Iron, you mentioned that you also saw a headline that made you think about this. Yeah, one of our local companies, I'm not going to name the company, decided May 22nd will be basically a day of rest for the whole company. And I realized, wow, it may be that some people are still working way too much not having any separation in their work life and home life because we're all sheltering in place. He's not going to name the company, but it starts with a G and it rhymes with new goal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's pretty bad when corporate culture is doing a better job at rest and Sabbath than we are as a church. As a pastor, Iron, you talk to people about a lot of aspects of their life. 
how do you see busyness as a defining force for people, especially in this area? This has really changed culturally over the past 30 years of doing ministry, what it means to work, how work is actually done. There used to be a day when you couldn't take things home with you. Now, with technology reaching into every aspect of our lives, email at home, phones, the ubiquitous access we have to information, we can actually work from anywhere, anytime, which makes us work more than ever. I never know which channel the information will come through. It's like there's Gmail, there's Slack, there's text, there's calls, there's Zoom now, which didn't even exist in my consciousness a few months ago and now is such a defining part of my day. It's incredible. You really can't escape the office. Yeah, but, you know, I grew up in an immigrant community in a Korean American church, immigrant small business owners. People were busy because you had to make enough money to make it. You had to run your business. So you didn't really have a choice. But there's a segment of people in our country where you actually have some choices you can make. You begin to work actually a lot, even though you could set up boundaries along the way to say, I'm going to limit how much work I actually do. Mm. Yeah. And I guess that's how you know that it's more of a heart problem or an identity question than it is a question of calendar or finances. I mean, your parents owned a dry cleaning chain. Is that right, Iron? That must be really different than the work culture you see around here. Oh, yeah. I mean, having a small business that's open certain hours, let's say from 7 a.m. to, I don't know, my parents, they close at 6, 6.30, depending on which store or whatever. But they were out the door before 6 and didn't get home till after 7. So that was just a normal cycle for them. Here, it's a little different. Abby, you might remember an article I think I shared with the staff from The Atlantic, and it was entitled, Workism is Making Americans Miserable. Mm, Cheerful iron. (laughs) Share that with our listeners. The main point of the article is this, especially for those who are college-educated elites, work has become kind of a religion for people because it begins to promise something for us. It promises that we'll have an identity. It'll give us meaning. It'll give us a sense of transcendence. So in place of religion, people are giving themselves fully to work and busyness. Even if you're a mom or if you're a parent who's at home and you're trying to be the best parent possible, it's like, how do you produce the most stellar, you know, five-star student coming out of high school? This is what we do. We work hard and we get busy to bring meaning into our lives through everything we do. Economists a long time ago imagined that once work was no longer a necessity because, I don't know, the robots did it for us or something, they just thought that we all would stop working and have a ton of leisure time. And I'm sure for your parents, they might imagine a similar thing. Oh, for our children or our grandchildren, once this dry cleaning business secures their future, they will have jobs where they don't need to do these 14, 15 hour work days. I think they would be very surprised that second and third generation children are choosing the same work hours. I think that's spot on, Abby. You know, in the olden days, like Downton Abbey, if you were really rich, you just didn't work. That was the goal, right? But that doesn't exist in the same way anymore in this generation. The more wealth you gain, you're in this arms race with other people to prove to others, I'm still ahead of you. There's a quote from that article. I'll just read it here. The best educated and highest earning Americans who can have whatever they want 
have chosen the office for the same reason that devout Christians attend church on Sundays. It's where they feel most themselves. What a telling phrase for where you find your identity, where you feel the most yourself. Behind a desk, with your children, at the dinner table, in the pew. That's how you know. Yeah, I don't think it's a one-size-fit-all kind of argument, but I feel like it's true for me, even in ministry. Why do I like remaining busy? Why do I feel like I have to get all of this done and I'm sending you a card or I'm sending you an email (laughs) at 6 a.m.? This is just how I'm wired and I keep going. Maybe it's worth talking about that a little bit more. We don't want to be convicting people without admitting that we are right there with you, everybody. (laughs) Have there been times in your life where you've realized, gosh, this has really crossed a line? I really struggle with this probably more than any other piece of spiritual life for myself. The harder I work for others and the more space I carve out in my life for congregants who need pastoral care, whatever the staff needs. It just makes me feel better. It Mm. feels like I'm actually doing something that feels productive, that feels good. And to a degree, there's an element of great idolatry there. I don't think all of it's bad, but there is this piece where it goes into hyperdrive sometimes. And I need to dial back because I have to think about other things that God calls me to, even in the Ten Commandments, you know, have a Sabbath day. Yeah. And it makes sense to me, too, that you're able to hide some of your idolatry of workism or productivity under the guise of, well, this is for other people. But really, when I look at some of the things I do, it's not really for other people. It's not something they've asked for. It's just something I need to do. So I feel like I'm earning my paycheck or I'm doing a good job as the teens director. The good is mixed with the bad. It's not that God doesn't use our mixed motives for good purposes, but certainly my motives have been mixed many times in this role. Yeah, absolutely. As I think about all of these pieces, yeah, it's hard for me to rest. I'd rather be busy. I like being busy. And when I get bored, I get worried. I can always find something to read. I can always be preparing. It's really hard to stop. I don't know if our listeners agree or understand what I'm talking about. I'm sure many of you do. It's really hard to say, when is this all about me? And where then does God's Sabbath come into play? It's not just that we're running towards something in our busyness. We're also running away from something. When you say, if I'm not busy, I get worried. Everything in me knows exactly what you're talking about. It's so easy to stuff all of those emotions with busyness and just say, I'm going to fill up my calendar. I don't want to deal with some of the things going on in my head. It's much easier just to work hard. So let's turn the problem on its head. Let's look at busyness from a biblical perspective. What does the Bible have to say in response to our admittedly sinful, idolatrous hearts that love to work and love to be busy, sometimes more than we love God? That's what idolatry is. And it's not that work is bad, right? That's never the problem. It's when we take it and do something else with it we're not supposed to be doing. How do we make sure it doesn't take over our lives in a way that's actually counterproductive? And this is why I think in the Ten Commandments, he put this in here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I've honestly never gotten that because the other Ten Commandments are like, don't cheat on your spouse. That one feels pretty easy. Try not to kill your brother with an axe. Yes, also can do. 
these things are really bad things that you clearly shouldn't do. Sabbath feels a little out of place on that list of 10. I'm going to be honest. It doesn't seem like me working on a Sunday is the same thing as me murdering someone. Right. But it says the reason we're to do this is we are to learn what it means to stop just as God did after he created the world. You're going and going and going. And Sabbath is meant to interfere with this cycle that we live in, building our identity on work. We need to stop saying now this is a day that is devoted to thinking about God, who he is, and how he thinks about us. In Deuteronomy, it says the reason we are to rest is because we are people who've been brought out of slavery. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So resting in the way Deuteronomy is talking about it is to recognize we're no longer slaves. Because when you're a slave, you don't get days off. You work seven days a week. Mm -hmm. The idea that you get a Sabbath was actually revolutionary because this is God's way of restoring us and healing us and saying you are no longer a slave. Maybe that's something that sits better with people or is an easier idea to grasp. When I first heard about this distinction, it just was a light bulb that went off in my mind. Maybe this is the reason why I have such a hard time keeping Sabbath sometimes because I function more like a slave. That makes a lot of sense, right? God saved the Israelites from Egypt, a place where they had no Sabbath, they had no day off. And one of the first things he did was to establish times of rest because he didn't want them to live in slavery. That was the whole point. And I can imagine his frustration as he rescues us, and yet we insist on being slaves. I've read articles about this happening today, too. You know, uh, police officers or security forces will release people who have been in bondage for years. They'll bring them to new housing. They'll provide food. They'll try to restore these people. And they'll find them escaping and trying to run back to slavery, literally, because that's what they're familiar with. Jesus tells us, you know, we used to be slaves to the elements of this world. We used to be slaves to sin and to death. And now we're supposed to live free, to live rescued. But so many of us insist on still acting like we're slaves. Yeah. And I think work is one of these weirdly susceptible areas to this type of slavery because it feels so right to be productive. It feels so good. When we cease, we're having to tell ourselves we're not in control of the world God is. We're believing that God is in charge and that I have to sit and wait for him. That's a good thing for me to remember, for you to remember, for all of us to remember what God is trying to teach us. When I was thinking about Sabbath for the first time, which is when I came on staff, I found this passage in Leviticus, you know, just reading Leviticus on a Saturday night, as one does in their vibrant 20s. And it says this, (laughs) (laughs) it is a Sabbath of complete rest for you and you must practice self-denial. I hadn't understood before that Sabbath was a practice of self-denial. I always thought that I was supposed to determine whether I was going to work or whether I was going to rest based on how tired I was. So I sort of thought like, I'm not tired, Jesus. So I'm actually going to keep working if that's okay with you. But when I read that word self-denial, it occurred to me, it's supposed to be hard. Denying yourself is always hard. Realizing that you're not the center of the universe is always hard. So if Sabbath is hard for you, that probably means you're doing it right. 
Yeah, no, that's a great insight you had along the way, because I've seen the other side where people are trying to see Sabbath as this is a day for me. Treat yourself, spiritual spa day. I'm not saying that's not a component to it, but it's also the day that is holy unto the Lord. There's something about it that makes it holy. So, Iron, what I hear you saying is that my Sabbath is not just for bubble baths and chocolate, although I would say that is a large component of my spiritual practice. What should I be doing on Sabbath? Are you asking me, the one that has a hard time practicing (laughs) Sabbath? I will give you what I think we should all be doing. There has to be some ceasing. You have to stop something. Because if you're not stopping, then you're not really having Sabbath, right? Stop in order to reflect on what God has said about you, what he has said about the world, to rest in him and trust in him for our identity, for the problems that we see, all of that. So there's got to be a ceasing. So defining Sabbath, not just by what you do, but also what you're not doing. Right. That's a good metric. What else? What about the things you do? Well, I think there has to be a component of worship. How better to find refreshment for your soul than actually to sing, to confess, to take the Lord's Supper, to hear from God's Word, to connect with others, to be reminded, no, 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 my life is not only about all the things that I'm so busy trying to accomplish. As we worship, we're reminded each week, God himself is caring for us. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does Iron Kim have any hot tips for Sabbath, things that you like to do on your Sabbath? How about a nice lunch, a feast? What restores me? It could be a hobby. It could be fiddling around. Birdie and G's, part of why that was fun is because it felt avocational. It's not my vocation. It was just fun. It was restful. Getting together with friends and not talking shop. There's beauty in the arts. There's beauty in being able to go see a wonderful film that gets your mind going, going to a museum, enjoying a hike. All of those things allow you again to be restored and enjoy some of the things that God gives us as beautiful in our world. Yeah, you're connecting with God through the parts of his creation that are so enjoyable, that are so sweet and personal to each of us in different ways. Totally. So, Iron, what would you say to the people of Grace Prez right here, right now, about busyness and rest? One of the things that I've been hearing over and over from a lot of parents is how wonderful it's been that they've been able to rest from the busyness of extracurricular activities. This is actually a time we can actually find rest. Because some of these things have been taken away from us, we're realizing we have extra time. And we found that in our family. We've enjoyed that. We've watched silly TV shows and gone on walks together. That's been really nice. So Maybe I would encourage people to say, what are some of the things that you've actually enjoyed during shelter in place? List out a couple of things that you would like to continue once this is all behind us. Because I can tell you the teenagers are incredibly relieved. It's so interesting to talk to them and ask about school. And yeah, Zoom school is annoying. But more and more, I hear an expression of relief just from all of the social pressures, the athletic pressures, the school pressures. It really shows them what life could be like if they weren't chasing after those things. So I think that's really interesting for us right now to have this time where maybe we can't depend on our idolatry of busyness the way that we normally do. 
I also have found in myself an urge to reach for busyness. And I think it's just important to notice that in yourself, to notice days of shelter in place that are hard for you when your schedule is empty and to ask, huh, why am I reaching for that? Why is it so important to me to, you know, start this email thread or start a new Slack channel? Why do I need to do that this instant? Yeah. I also hope people are using this time to actually connect to God and develop good habits, carving out time to think about the gospel, think about Jesus, the ways that work has impacted me and how much I've made that an idol. This would be a good season to kind of take inventory of the immense pressures we have. Two resources we want to leave you with. The article that Iron referenced earlier, Workism is Making Americans Miserable, appeared in The Atlantic in 2019. It's by a man named Derek Thompson. I think it's a pretty good read. If you're interested in a deeper dive, there's a book by Mark Buchanan called The Rest of God. You really like that book, Iron. I do. It's one of my favorites. Self-help book for your pastor. That's very good. That's very good. I'm glad you read that, Iron. (laughs) All right, let's take the afternoon to rest from this hard work of podcasting. And we hope that you all do the same from the hard work of listening to us. Thanks for joining us, Grace Press. We will be back next week. See you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye, Iron. 